Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. How many of you know that life can be a bumpy ride? We can be tossed about, we can be tripped up, or even trampled on by trials and tribulations aplenty. And for this reason, because life is bumpy and because we face so many things, Christians often cower and fear and we fold and we fumble when we face difficulties. It's acceptable for a Christian to wear a worry wart name tag. Whenever we go through hard times, just like every other person on the planet who doesn't have Jesus, we worry and we get anxious and we doubt and we are afraid as if we didn't have Jesus. And yet, even though this is the norm for believers, what if I were to tell you this morning, too, there's, there's a place you can enter into. And if you would enter into this place, you could be worry-free, stress-free, anxious-free. There's a place you can stand and, and position yourself that gives you assurance no matter what you face in life. Would you be interested in going there? I could sell you a ticket afterwards. Today, I want to take a look at the Gospel Guarantee. This is the gospel guarantee. We are saved, and we are safe in Jesus. That's a good title. We are saved, and we're safe in our Savior. Would you stand with me? We're going to have prayer, uh, and then we'll we'll dive in. I'm going to pull a Miguel. I'm going to steal from his playbook. That's all right, Brother Miguel. Since you stole from mine last time, we'll, we'll, we'll trade. I'm going to pray for you folks. Would you do the honor of praying for me? And and we'll just pray for one another and uh, ask the Lord to be here. Because listen, guys, i got nothing to say to you all that can do you any good. In fact, I will harm you if you hear my words. Pray that God will give me his words. He has the words of eternal life. Would you join me in prayer? God, as we come to you this morning, how you are good, Lord, how we love you and how we trust you. God, how I ask that you would bless these folks, Lord, whoever's tuning in online, Lord, whoever's here in person. God, would you bless these folks, God? Just work in their hearts and work in their minds, Lord. Give them attention, but Lord, help them just to allow this to saturate their lives, Lord, and just to sink into them, Lord. And they would leave here, Lord, with this knowledge and with this this power, this tool that you have for them. God, work in their lives, God, how you have the words of eternal life. And I'm asking you to give them to them this evening and this morning, Lord. Just be here, Lord. We need you. We can do nothing without you, Lord. We are nothing without you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you'd like to turn with us to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, we're going to read two verses, verse 16 and 17. You could quote it. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is. <laughs> Some of you didn't laugh at that. Hold on, let's go back. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is. It is! It is! It, it, it is! Not it was, not it will be, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is! Yeah. <laughs> but it gets better. 
Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You can be seated. It is. Whew. So typically we hear this verse preached on, I believe this was the first verse your pastor ever preached. And we hear this verse and we think that it means, I'm not ashamed. You know, Paul wasn't ashamed to preach. And preachers shouldn't be ashamed to preach. And Christians shouldn't be afraid of the gospel. We should be bold and not ashamed, right? That's what we usually think of when we read this. However, this morning I want to focus on what Paul says in, in the end of verse 16. What is the reason Paul wasn't ashamed? What is the might of the message? Paul says, in no way am I ashamed of the gospel because it is. Not because it was, not because someday it will be, but because it is, I am not ashamed. So what exactly is it, Paul? What is the gospel that you're not ashamed of? Paul simply says this. The gospel is God's power to save us. I'm I'm not ashamed of that. (laughs) What is the gospel? God's ability to save Paul writes and says that I'm not ashamed if someone asks you, what is the gospel? You're at work, you're at school, someone says, what is the gospel? What is it that you believe upon? Where do you stand as a believer? You can say, God's power to save. God's ability to save. And because of this gospel, because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, if you're a born-again believer, then you have been saved. Amen? Because of the work of Jesus, you have been saved from due damnation. You've been saved from the sentence of sin. You've been saved from the rightful wrath of God. You have been saved, past tense. That's what has already been done. It's already been completed. Jesus dying on the cross says, it is finished. You are now saved. It's done. Whenever the Lord returns and you stand before Him, you'll be able to say that my debt has been settled because of the blood of Jesus. I am saved. That's nothing we don't already know. That's great news. That's nothing we don't already know. But if I were to challenge us this morning and say, it's not what the gospel did in our lives. It's what the gospel does in our lives. Because Jesus didn't come only that we may be saved, but Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. He's not our Savior only, but Jesus is our Savior. Because the Gospel is. The Gospel is. It's so important that we understand the original words that Paul's using here. I know I start using Greek and some of you are like... so important that we know these words. He writes that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The word unto here means entered into by going, coming, living, or an opening in which something can be hidden. The word salvation is actually a noun. It's a person, place, or thing. And so this word means deliverance, preservation, or safety. So if we put Paul's words, the meaning of what he says into text, it would say the gospel is the power of God for us to enter and live into and be hidden in safety. That's what Paul writes here. That's that's what the words mean. 
not just when we die, but through life. The gospel is God's ability to preserve us. The gospel is his power to deliver us. He can keep us safe. Listen, salvation is a place. It's a location, right? You came to a place called Sand Hill Real Baptist this morning, and you entered into those doors. When you leave here today, you will enter into your house. It's a place. And Paul writes, unto salvation, entering in, open the door, walk into salvation, shut the door behind you, enter in to a place of safety. That's the power of the gospel. And that's good news. Too often we claim to be saved, past tense, meaning that we've been forgiven and we will not stand before God personally and pay for our sins. But this is only the entrance to the gospel. This is standing in the doorway. Yes, you absolutely have been saved, but he not only saved us, the power of God is his ability to save us and keep saving us and keep us safe. One of Jenny's uh, favorites, she loves when I talk about her, one of Jenny's favorite types of movies, that she drags me to watch every time, I mean, we've watched hundreds of them, is apocalyptic, end of the world, doomsday stuff. Oh, she's twisted. <laughs> she loves that stuff. We've watched so many of them. But I want you to imagine this morning, just for a minute, I want you to imagine that we just received word that the world is going to end, we face all but certain death and destruction and doom, not too hard to imagine this year, Asteroids are going to fall from the sky. The sky is going to fall like end of the world stuff, right? Sky is falling. Asteroids falling. Destruction is definite. It's absolute. No hope of survival here on earth. That's bad news. Amen? <laughs> Maybe you're fine with that. Okay. That is bad news. Amen? That is bad news. You're going to face horrendous death, and there's no hope, nothing you can do but die. Yet as you're getting ready to freak out, Someone taps you on the shoulder. And they say, Psst. Do you want to be saved? Of course, you're very calm and polite. And you say, Well, yes, I, sir, I would love to be saved. Thank you, Velvet, for laughing. Psst. Do you want to be saved? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Yep, one of, uh-huh. This person says, I've got, I've got an underground bunker, and it's made of concrete that is 10 million miles wide. It is bomb-proof, radiation-proof. It is impenetrable. It is a fortress that nothing can get inside of. If you really want to be saved from the impending destruction and doom, all you have to do is get inside. Would you say that's good news? Would you say that's good news? Listen, some of you are, that's good news. Bad news? Good news. Maybe you're not as smart as you look. Bad news? Good news. You can be saved. You can enter into salvation. You can go to a place where nothing can touch you. Good news! Good news! Good news! Amen! Get inside the bunker. It's all you have to do. Get everyone, listen, what will we be doing? Get everyone you can find. There's a place to be saved. There's a place to be saved. Hurry! Get inside! With urgency, we'd be running to everybody, pulling their arms. Get inside! There is safety from the doom and the destruction. Get inside! Because on your own, you're vulnerable. On your own, 
You face destruction and doom and damnation on your own if you stand out there when it comes. So get inside. And this is what it means to be saved. Some of you didn't know there was doomsday in the Bible. Some of you think that's all the Bible is. This is what it means to be saved. Do you know the Bible tells us 164 times, 164, 164 times the Bible tells us to get in Christ. Get in the Lord, inside, not have him, not be like him, not wear his name tag. Get in, in Christ, 164 times. We enter into this fortress, this impenetrable refuge from within Christ. We will face judgment if we're saved. And when God looks at us, he will see his son. He will see the place we're hidden. He'll see the bunker and not Josh. And so Josh will be saved because I'm in the bunker. Good news. Good news. Good news. So we enter into the bunker. We are now safe. We are secure because God has the power to save us from damnation if we are in him. Amen. We are saved. Amen. We are saved. Amen. And although this is terrific news, some of you don't realize that yet, but it is. I promise it'll hit you tonight at midnight. It's good news. Though this is terrific news. Many of us trust the might of the message for eternal salvation, listen, but others of us mistrust the message for our everyday salvation. I'm going to read that again. Many of us trust the might of the message for eternal salvation, but we mistrust the message for everyday salvation. Now. Now. I want you to imagine you're inside this bunker, right? You were smart enough to get inside. You're seated safely and snug. Maybe you got a blankie. You're inside the bunker resting. Maybe, maybe you're in there playing hopscotch, right? You're, there's, I have not a fear. I'm in there playing. I don't know how you play hopscotch, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you're in there playing hopscotch, right? You have nothing. When doomsday's coming, but you're safe in the bunker, let's party. Let's have a good time. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. There's nothing to fear. So you're in there playing hopscotch, having fun, keeping safe, knowing you have nothing to worry because you are saved. You are saved. You trust the bunker to save you when judgment comes. And yet as you sit inside this bunker, where you are saved, you hear... And at first you try to ignore it. You think, well, that's annoying. But it just keeps going. So eventually you ask someone, you're like, Someone else in the bunker, do you hear what's going on out there? To which the person replies, oh, that. That's, that's just a little boy throwing pebbles up the side of the bunker. Now here you are in this impenetrable fortress, in this refuge, safe from the biggest destruction that will ever come, worrying about pebbles pelting this 10 million wide concrete bunker. Am I talking about Christianity or what? You begin to worry in this bunker. You start to get afraid. You get anxious. You, you start eating all the tubs of ice cream you can find because that's what some of you do when you're anxious. You pace back and forth. You're worrying. You're worrying. You're fearing. What if one of the stones get me? What if the bunker's not enough? What if it's not sufficient? What if one of the pebbles do me in for good? What am I going to do? 
You've trusted the fortress of the bunker to make you saved, but not to keep you safe. Sounding familiar? Yep, me too. This is the downfall of our faith, guys. We trust Jesus has saved us from damnation, but we're unsure he will save us from our dilemmas. I have full faith that he saved me, but I worry and I doubt and I'm anxious that the pebbles pelted my way will not keep, will keep me unsafe. We trust God's power of salvation eternally, but not temporarily. He can save me from sin, but not from my sins. And this is where Paul writes that the gospel of Christ is what? Well, it is the power of God to save us. That's what the gospel is. Not to make us saved, but to make us safe. He is not a God who saved, but he is the God that saves, save, saving, will save, is save, 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 save. That's where I entered into. Do you know what the name Jesus means? Jesus literally means, the word, look it up in the dictionary. Joshua in the Old Testament is the word Jesus. Look it up in the New Testimony. The word Jesus means this. I am saves. What? It means what? That's what the faces are saying. That's what you guys are saying to me right now. It means what? Jesus means what? I am saves. I am, being the name of the Old Testament, that's present, always, not I was, not I will be. I am, current, current tense, always current, saves. Not saved, not will save, save. I am saves. Who did you place your trust in? (laughs) I am saves. Yeah, but you're afraid of pebbles. I know. (laughs) Yeah, this is not making sense at all. You're right. We're like, what am I doing here? I am saves. That's Jesus. That's who I serve. That's my master. That's who protects me. I am saves. Saves. Now, here, saves. Present tense. I am saves. Every single day, in the waiting, in the searching, I am saves. On the mountain, in the valley, I am saves. Jesus is not only our savior, but he is our saver. He saves us. We are safe. We are secure. Hidden in the fortress and the power of him to save us. We're in the bunker. Thank you, Bessie. We are in the bunker. Amen. What shall I fear? I am safe. 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 Because I serve. I am saves. Amen. What do the pathetic, pelted pebbles of my life matter when I am hidden in the fortress of salvation? If he is able to save me from doomsday, surely he can save me from a pebble. And this is exactly what we find Jesus time and time again criticizing and rebuking the disciples for. They were fearless or they were fearful followers. That was the problem. These men left behind their house and their home and their families and their fortunes to follow Jesus because they believed he was the Christ, the Messiah. He was their savior. And yet we find in Matthew chapter 8 verses 24 through 26 that they trusted him as savior but not savor. They trusted him eternally, but not temporarily. This is Matthew 8, 24 and 26. Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he, I am saves, 
was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Notice that the disciples called Jesus Lord. They didn't call him Master. They didn't call him Rabbi. They didn't call him Jesus. They called him Lord. This is the word Kairos, which literally means God. It means Messiah. And so they trusted him to be enough to be their God, but not enough to have their back. They trusted him to save them from the sentence of sin, but not the stormy sea. They, res- they rested safely in this bunker, this fortress of Christ for doomsday, but not the pebbles. Was Jesus aware there was a storm? Did he know that there were contrary waves about? Did Jesus hit the snooze button one too many times? He's going to sleep through their demise. No. No. There's no way. He knew about it. We look at this story and we're like, come on, guys. Jesus is in the boat. I am saved. God himself, he's in the boat. What's the problem? Of course there's nothing going to happen to you. Of course he's going to save you. Of course he's a saver. He saves. You're in the bunker for crying out loud. Disciples, what's your problem? And yet, the first thing we do when we face a trial, Lord, save me, I perish. Am am I telling the truth? Lord, save me. Jesus, I am saved. I know you can handle it. I know you can handle my eternal salvation, but I'm afraid you'll drop the ball this time. Lord, save me, I perish. Wake up, do something, save me. And just like the disciples, Jesus rebukes us. Why are you fearful? Why do you have small faith? Why do you not trust me? Am I not your fortress? Am I not the I am saves? Is that not who I am to you? Am I not able to save your temporary needs as much as your eternal needs? Am I not able to save you for the strength of sin as well as your sins? You are hidden safely in me. I have the power. I have the ability to save. That's what the gospel is. My power to save you. You're safe. Why do you have little faith that I can save you? And this is where we lack the placement of the power of the gospel in our lives. A lot of you, listen, I love you guys. A lot of you can tell me the stats on the MLB and NBA and FLA and PGA. If anyone follows the PGA. And you can tell me every contestant on The Voice. And you can tell me every car Chevy ever made. You can tell me every character of a video game. You can tell me every crooked crooked politician in Washington. And yet when it comes to knowing and placing the gospel properly in your lives, you are clueless. I am clueless. This is a problem. This is why we fear. This is why we fret. We don't know the gospel. We have not placed the gospel properly in our lives. What are we wasting our time on? We're clueless. And it shows. We are living a worn out, weary life of defeat, constantly fearing, even though we're supposed to have faith. And yet Jesus gave us the gospel the most powerful weapon for our use, not for eternity only, but for here and now. And we don't even know it. We don't even know the gospel. Listen, do you want to be safe? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be a Christian or not? Is this thing real or not? 
Is this tangible or not? Do, listen, do you trust Jesus or not? Is he enough? We're safe. So if we're safe, but we feel unsafe, I must be the problem. Listen, guys, it's time to stop playing games. Judgment's coming. Judgment is coming. Not only do we need to be saved, but we need to know that we are safe. And from our safety, we need to get as many people inside this bunker as absolutely possible. Do you care that the sky's about to fall on 60 billion people? Do you care that your loved ones are facing damnation and doom and destruction, but you have a place of safety that they can enter in? Do you care? Because this is the problem. From our safety, we need to get in as many people into the bunker as possible because doomsday, judgment, damnation is coming. But how in the world are you ever going to get someone else to place their trust in this fortress where you are if you don't even trust this fortress against pebbles? Listen, if someone invited me in and said, get inside, you could be saved here from destruction. All you have to do is enter in. But as I watch them, I see that they're afraid of a little boy throwing stones. I wouldn't trust that fortress very much. Am I... Is that right? If you were afraid of pebbles, why would I trust this with my life? Who's going to have their blood on whose hands when people aren't getting in because we're afraid? Here we thought it was a pet sin. Here we thought it was no big deal. Here we thought it was just something that's acceptable in Christianity. And worry, fear, is causing people to miss out on salvation, safety. The gospel has a purpose. And the gospel has a place in our lives for the here and now. The gospel is the framework of our faith. We all know that Hebrews 11 says what? Faith is the evidence of the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And in order for us to have faith that he will save us, we have to have a place to anchor our faith into. We need an evidence, a substance. So for example, if you meet someone on the sidewalk you've never met before, total stranger, and they tell you that they're going to do something, they give you their word, do you have anything to anchor and believe them on? No, you don't know them from anybody. They've not proven anything to you. You cannot trust them because you don't know them. You have nothing to anchor your faith in them to. But I have known you my whole life, and I have told you a hundred times I will do this, and every time I've told you I have done it. Suddenly there's somewhere to anchor your trust in me. Suddenly there's a place to anchor your faith in me. Do we get that's what the gospel's for? Oh, you saved me. So now I believe you when you say you will make me safe. Anchor, substance, evidence of things not seen. Faith. Something you all say you got. Probably should know what that is. Probably should use that. Safe. 
This is the thing I want us to grasp this morning. The gospel is the power of God, his ability to save us. He told us that if you will get inside the bunker, you are not only saved, but you are safe. He promised that he would be enough for your life. Do you believe him? Do you believe everything else he has said beyond your salvation? Do you believe him when he said greater is he than anything you'll face in this life? When he said that you'll be more than a conqueror. When he said that if he stands with us, nothing can stand against us. Do you believe him that absolutely nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from the deep care and concern and the love that he has for you? Do you believe him when he said not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry for itself? Do you believe him when he said all things work together for good? Do you believe him or don't you? Do you believe what he said? Do you believe his power? Do you believe his ability to save you? Are you a believer? That's not a name tag we wear. It's something we are. We believe, so we're a believer. He said it. I believe it. I'm a believer. The I am saves is telling you, enter into this refuge, enter into this fortress, and you will not only be saved, but you will be saved, safe. So get inside, because he is enough. And Paul's writing here in Romans 1, and he's writing about the gospel. He's writing about God's ability to, to save. It's a fact of faith. It's tried and true. We have entered into this place. We now live in this place. We are hidden in this place in his power to save. What's your address as a Christian? Where do you call home as a Christian? Where do you lay your head as a Christian? In the bunker. I am safe, saved, saving, safe. We have been saved. And because we are saved, we are now safe. And Paul desires that we would weaponize the gospel. This is, this, is, this is all over the New Testament. Weaponize the gospel. He wanted us to have a munition of our message. Weaponize and wield the gospel. Lightsabers, guys, you know what wield means, right? Come on. Wield. Thank you, Ross. Wield. Gospel. Yes? Understand? Comprehendo? Okay. Wield the gospel. Weaponize the gospel. Use God's ability and power to save us as a defense. Listen, some of you are such avid supporters of the CCW for a possible attack that will never probably happen when you should be having a GCW, the gospel, a weapon you carry everywhere for attack that is definite. Listen, I got my license too. But I probably will never ever need that. In fact, I've never taken it out of the car since we got the thing. CCW, carry a concealed weapon for an attack that will probably never ever 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 happen. One in a billion chance it'll happen. Yet, you know what the Bible says is guaranteed? Weapon of warfare spiritually, every day of your life. And yet you're not carrying the gospel with you. The one defense he gave you, the one weapon he gave you, and you are not carrying it. Hello? Carry the gospel. Wield the gospel. Use the gospel. It's your defense. It's your weapon. In fact, this word that Paul uses here for... uh, Power to save is the word dynamis. Quickly, real quick, Greek, real quick. This word dynamis. This is the word we get dynamite from, right? You know, boom, dynamite. This is where we get the word dynamite from. It is a power. It means the power of an entire military, an entire army. It means power with big results. The gospel gives us dynamis. It gives us power. Boom. Big power of an entire military force. Ironically... This word dynamis is found in the Bible 383 times. Say that back, 383. 383. One more time, 383. 
383. That's how many times the word dynamis, power, is used in the New Testament. That's 355 more times than the word cross. That is 166 times more than the word love. Whoa! I thought the Bible was all about love and cross. And here dynamis is dripping off of every page of the Bible and we don't know it! No wonder we're so weak! No wonder, no wonder we're so wishy-washy! No wonder our fake faith is getting us nowhere. 383 times Jesus says, I've come to give you power, 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 power! Wonder-working power! And here we are, defeated, powerless. If you've come in uh, before service, you may have seen my wallpaper on my computer up on the screens. It's a really cool picture of a lion with his mouth open, and it says, Gospel Growl. Tina's seen it. It says, Gospel Growl. And I have that on my computer because it's meant to be a reminder to myself that we're not meant to be cowardly Christians. We're not meant to be fearful in our faith. We are meant and called to be warriors. We are called to be warriors. Do we get how many times Jesus rebuked worry and fear and doubt and lack of faith? More than lying, more than stealing, more than adultery, more than murder? He rebuked fear. Worry. And it's the most acceptable sin we have. In fact, we pat one another on the back in our worry work club on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Sundays and Saturdays. Welcome to the club. Let's worry together. Got some kind of shoulder dance weird thing going on in your club. It's acceptable. And that's the biggest thing Jesus rebuked. He came to give us dynamis. Listen, he came to give you a spine. Too much. Jesus died. He rose again to give you his life so that you as a Christian, as a believer in his life, in a believer in his power to save you, in a believer of dynamis, so that you could grow a spine. Give us guts, Lord. Give us bravado as a believer. We're worried about red and blue lights and fog machines coming into the church. When worry is sitting on every single pew and Jesus rebuked that more than anything. I'm not saying we should bring in the other. But we shouldn't accept this either. Listen, the pastor's already seen this. He agrees. You cannot. It's not. He's not going to hear a word. You can agree with this. Where are the Christians? Where are the Christians of old? Where are the old-fashioned Christians who have a gospel growl? A righteous roar. Who relentlessly rage that my God will save me no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter how dark the night, no matter how hard the hurdles, no matter how impossible the problem. I have entered into salvation. I have a Savior who saves. I will not give in. I will not give up. I have doggedly and will not deny that He will save me. I rigidly reject any tact that I'm facing because I know the gospel. And the gospel says that God loved me enough to move heaven and hell to make me saved, and surely he will make me safe. Where's your gospel growl, folks? When we face red seas, when giants scoff, when stormy seas surge, we need a gospel growl. A bold and courageous proclamation of promise. We need an audacity that believes He is able. We need a ferocious faith that growls out the gospel when pebbles are pelted our way. No! 
No, I will not fear. I will not be afraid. No matter what stones are thrown, no matter what the wind and waves try to convince me of, I will not worry. I will not fear. I will not doubt because I know the power of my God to keep me safe. Let me hear you say it. I'm safe. Uh-uh. Let me hear you say it. I'm safe. Tap your neighbor who's sleeping and tell them you're safe. Thank you. One more time, I'm safe. Don't stop saying it when you leave here, when you go face this world, when you go face the job, when you go face your family, when you go face the government. You are safe. That is what he died to give you. His life. Enter into salvation and you will be safe no matter what comes. I don't care if the government crumbles tomorrow. I don't care if they lock me up, if they take my guns, if they take everything I own, if my family, God forbid, were to pass away. Listen. talking about a gospel growl i'm talking about a conviction that says i'm a christian which means that my god has the power not only to have saved me but to keep me safe do you believe that do you believe that do you believe the bunker's enough do you believe this fortress is faithful do you believe that my god can keep you safe Because he said he would. (laughs) And I believe his word. And I trust his word. He will keep me safe. Where's your gospel growl? Say it again. I am safe. safe. The gospel is meant to be a place of standing. A place where we dare to dig in deep. It's meant to be a solid stance and a firm faith that refuses to budge no matter what pushes us in life. Last weekend, I missed the memo. Last weekend was weapons of warfare, but we're going to go there today and keep the tradition going. Brother Miguel. Ephesians 6 tells us this. The gospel is in armor that you put on. Am I telling the truth? The gospel is in armor that you put on. Let me read this for you. Ephesians 6, 11, 15 says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rules of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having your loins good about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. Listen. And have your feet shod with the preparation of the... Got the what? You're not growling. The what? Gospel. Gospel of peace. It's an armor. It's a defense. Most of us hear this verse and we think, you know, we're supposed to be ready to go share the gospel at all times. Off we go. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Right? That's what we think of this verse. Have your feet shod so you can walk. Right? Go, go share the gospel. Doggy battle. Go share the gospel. Right? That's not at all what Paul's saying here. In fact, four times in five, in five verses, Paul says, stand, 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 stand. Paul, what he wants to do? Stand. And ironically, that's exactly what this verse means. Prepare your feet to stand. Stand where? The gospel. The gospel. The gospel. Hello? How did I miss this? It's in the Bible. I've been learning the armor of God my whole life. Stand where, Paul? The gospel. Listen to this. This is great. Roman soldiers were infamous for wearing these shoes 
Brother uh, Alan gave us you know, his, his demonstration on Good Friday. He went and bought sandals just for our skin. I was so proud of him. Like He's an overachiever, that one. They wore these shoes. They're called, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Kalege's. That's what I'm going to go with. Alan says it's correct. We're gonna, I'm fine. Kalege's. He obviously knows he's a Roman soldier. These were leather sandals. But underneath, they had spikes, or literally, they would go get nails. And they would drive them through the leather sole of the shoe, so that wherever they stepped, it was in. It couldn't budge. So you think of warfare, right? You think of man-on-man combat, army, you know, army coming against a Roman soldier. His feet are solid, nailed literally to the ground. Someone's pushing him. Who's going to budge? Not the guy nailed to the ground. The other guy. Stand. Stuck. Where? The gospel. They had these leg straps. I love this. This is so great. So if you've seen these pictures, right? they're solid and nailed to the ground. But then they have these weird leather straps that are odd for guys. And they go all the way up, right? They're strapped from the bottom all the way up. They've got these leather straps. What's that for? Well, Paul says to shod. Now, I'm assuming when you told your kids to go get your shoes on this morning, you didn't say go shod your feet. And the reason is that word doesn't mean put on. And here this whole time we thought of sudden put on the gospel. The word doesn't mean put on. Shod does not mean put on. The word shod means to bind from with under. Literally, bind your feet to the ground. What is the ground? The gospel. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's my, that was my reaction exactly. I'm like, you said what? Oh. Shod your feet. Nail your feet to the gospel. Dig your feet in deep. To the gospel, that is where you stand, that is where you stay. You are bound from with under to the gospel. Why? Because it gives me everything else I need. It's the solid rock on which we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm glad you know that hymn, but if we knew the Bible as well as we know our hymns, enough, enough. Strap your feet to the gospel. Bind from with under to the gospel so that no matter what may push you or shove you, you are bound to the ground, literally. You are bound on which you stand. Well, Paul, what exactly am I supposed to stand on? What exactly am I supposed to bind from with under? What should I anchor my life to? What should be my strong stance? What should be my stabilization? What is my foundation of faith, Paul? What should I prepare myself in in any circumstance that I face in life? Where should I bind my feet? Bind your feet to the gospel of peace. Bind your life to God's ability to save you. Plant your feet in this place and refuse to budge. When the enemy tries to push or pull you, your feet are bound to the ground. The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is only found twice in the Bible. Paul uses both references. And again, growing up, we hear the gospel of peace and we think it means, well, Jesus was a peaceful man. We should share the gospel in a peaceful manner. Wrong. Wrong. Do you know what this means? It is the results of building your faith upon the gospel. It equates and results and ends in having a life of peace. Gospel equals peace. Bind your feet from with under to a gospel that gives you peace. If you'll refuse to budge, refuse to flinch, refuse to be shaken, refuse to give way, 
You'll not only be prepared, you'll not only be saved, but you will be safe. And he will give you peace, a life of peace, inexplainable, unexplainable, weird to the world, peace. It's what the gospel gives you when you strap your life to it. So many Christians I know don't have peace. Well, it's because we forgot to shod, shod, shod our feet to the gospel. Listen, guys, you can have peace that passes all understanding, peace that plays hopscotch in a bunker, peace that sleeps through the storms on sinking ships, peace that praises in the prison cells because the gospel was meant to give you peace, a peculiar peace, saved and safe from within the fortress of faith, resting safely in God's power, his ability to save us, trusting him to be our saver as much as our savior. This is the life of a Christian. Stand, bind your feet to the gospel, refuse to relent, have a gospel growl, and boldly proclaim that you are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because that proves his power and ability to save and safe and saving me. When pebbles are pelted your way, refuse to worry, deny the doubts, and remind yourself of the place on which you stand. Remind yourself that your God can and will save. And from within the impenetrable fortress, what have we to fear? The gospel of peace proclaims, I am saved and I am safe. This is the gospel guaranteed. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.